Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, and it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we are doing a really great horror movie today. We sure are. I'm very proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> We've been trying to do this for about a month now. I think so. <laughs> um, when we actually had a, um, the plan was to release it uh, on the day Halloween, before Halloween. The day before yeah. Halloween. Um, we really screwed the pooch on that. <laughs> but I think this is timeless, right? It is timeless. Um, it's just not holiday appropriate. So this will probably come out on Christmas. <laughs> but the movie we're doing is uh, obviously uh, Halloween. Yes, the Rob Zombie 2000. We're just going to keep doing this. <laughs> that, would, that would not be bad, though. I, I think that'd be an be interesting. interesting episode. Yeah. Um, but no, we're doing the John Carpenter original. Yes, 1978. Before I was born, so very old. <laughs> be funny if we were like we're doing halloween kills 2020 <laughs> we've already seen it and halloween ends 2021 and we're gonna spoil it all is that what the third one's called yes okay okay so before we get into the movie so um what have you been watching Kristen? i started castle rock on hulu okay i've not seen it yet so tell me about it well i loved the first season i think we talked about it a lot and so the second season starts out like right now like i i guess it's been about a year Maybe in the Castle Rock universe, too. I don't know. (laughs) You're telling me. (laughs) So it stars Annie Wilkes, played by Lizzie Kaplan. Her daughter is played by the girl from eighth grade. Really? Yeah. Um, What's her name again? Elsie Fisher. Well, I'm glad that. So is she having a better time of it in Castle Rock? That's a rough movie. I keep thinking about it. Oh, but yeah, but I think it all turned out okay for her. You know, I think she's going to be okay. In Castle Rock, I don't think things are going to be so good. Lizzie Kaplan plays Annie Wilkes, younger. Annie's still a nurse, and they're traveling around. She's already, she's like a schizophrenic. Then I got real excited when Tim Robbins' name came up. Tim Robbins plays kind of like a corrupt businessman type guy. It's almost like a mafia type vibe with him and his family. And then the Somalian guy from... I'm the captain now. I don't think that's the name of the movie. <laughs> Should have been. Captain um, Phillips, right? Yes. Okay. He's in it. They are in... I mean, but Castle Rock was a place there. And then there... But they're... And then Salem's Lot? Yeah. No, no. Sa- Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's Lot is Salem's Lot. Oh, okay. Salem's okay. Lot is just short for Jerusalem's Lot. Okay. So then they have the creepy house. And, but they do reference, like, like they made a reference to Terry O'Quinn's character, who was the warden at Shawshank, and how he offed himself in that, he went off the cliff, remember? So yeah. it's still in the same, there's not like the... Universe, it's just different characters entirely, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I like it so far. What have you been watching? Well, I went and watched uh, The Joker, which, okay. um, you know, by the time this comes out, in a few weeks, I suppose, if not more, you know, everyone will have seen it, and... and so I liked it. I mean, I think we even mentioned on the podcast before about how it was, you know, earning some controversy for supposedly being a kind of incel right. <laughs> support piece or some such. Uh, it's not that. But um, and while I was watching it, I will say I thought it was you know really compelling. Uh, I was definitely into it. Joaquin Phoenix is you know really good. Uh, he's no Heath Ledger, 
but that's more just the writing. You know, he's just not that. He's just not as interesting as the character is in The Dark Knight. Well, there is no Batman, right? Yeah, there's, so, well, there's Bruce Wayne, but there's no Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's young Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah, so it's kind of hard to. Yeah, and it's also just not really about that. I mean, they're obviously in that universe, but I mean, it may as well be just like a normal movie as far as that goes. Mm. Like, uh, as I thought about it after watching it, it, it I guess it's from my critique of it. it. It seems like, well, why even bother? Why kind of why go there? Because it doesn't really feel so much like an origin story for the Joker. So it doesn't feel like a... What, so what does it feel like to you? What kind of movie are they trying to make? It, it, basically, they're trying to make um, a taxi driver. They're basically trying to make a Scorsese movie. Mm. Uh, and this is like... Todd a, Phillips is doing it. Yeah, Todd Phillips did it. I mean, it's very much a taxi driver, king comedy. This is not like me theorizing that. He's, they've openly said that. Uh, and when you, when you watch it, it's absolutely clear. So it's... And uh, the idea was that uh, they wanted to make a movie like that, but they felt the only way they can do it to get a lot of money is if they did a superhero movie. So they just like snuck in a superhero movie and made this sort of dark, uh, kind of nasty movie. Well, it's an interesting idea, I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a little cynical, I think. Hmm. Um, but I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it's it was compelling, but at the same time, it, like uh, I was telling your husband earlier who's here, just not on the podcast. No, he's been out there for like three hours watching Billy on the Street. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie is just not as dangerous or dark or interesting as it maybe thinks it is, simply because I've already seen Taxi Driver. I've seen the King Comedy. There's all these movies that's openly referencing that have kind of done this better. Mm, you know? Yeah. And just because you insert the Joker in it before he's a Joker, that doesn't necessarily make it any more interesting to me. It's just kind of one of those movies, the more you think about it, it feels like, well, why was that made? <laughs> Well, was Joaquin Phoenix good enough to possibly win an Oscar? Yeah, probably. I just maybe I thought it would be really interesting to he's very to have me- two he's, actors yeah. win for the same. He's character. very method. There's a lot of body horror in the movie. It's kind of interesting. He's hmm. always kind of contorting himself in these weird shapes. He's shirtless oh, at the movie. Like, it's gross. Like the machinist. Yes. Yeah. That hmm. type of thing. And he's uh, and he's very good. The idea. The, the most interesting idea to me is that. His laugh is almost like a, um, or it is, it's like a, um, some sort of neurological condition. He can't help it. Whoa, that is interesting. So he'll laugh um, uncontrollably, and he carries around these cards saying, please forgive my medical condition. I cannot help what I'm doing. Uh, and some people are, you know, weird about it, and some people are not. Is that a real medical condition? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It could be like a Phineas Gage type thing. Well, we talked about Ed Gein and his... his um Sporadic, sporadic laughing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's what made me think about it. Um, they're not going for that. I mean, that's right, true. Yeah. It's not a comic book movie, really. Um, but at some point, it's like, well, what is this exercise exactly? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What do we do? That's why I, said. I just stood in the middle of the theater and I said that. <laughs> so that you turned around to everybody and just said, "What are we doing here?" So anyway, that's the Joker. All um, right. So what are we drinking? Well, we are drinking um, in honor of Halloween and on November. It's November 2nd when we're recording <laughs> yeah, something this. something like that. Uh, but well, we couldn't find a pumpkin beer. Which is ridiculous. I know. It's just like my neighborhood. They just pulled the lever yes. <laughs> on Halloween. They had all the Christmas beers out. They did. They did. Though we did find um, an Oktoberfest beer, which is, you know, close enough. Um, it's Cahaba Brewing, which is a local brewery. It's delicious. And it's their Oktoberfest ale. It is really good. Yeah. I, li- I like a red ale probably talk about my our candles um yes so there's um we there's a local vendor called um her company's called butt naked candles which was so wonderful called? yes yeah and the idea is that you get these candles and i guess you're supposed to use them mostly in your bathroom or in your shower i have my living room <laughs> <laughs> and you light the candles and it has she has different scents 
it's not they're not too strong but they definitely you, you can smell them um, and then after you um, blow them out you take the what would be the wax what would be the yeah. wax and it's body lotion yes it's pretty cool I think my hands feel softer yeah absolutely and they still smell nice yes um, so I highly recommend it um, so look up butt naked candles is that what it's called maybe yeah it's I butt think naked. so Don't just, just look up butt naked Google and you're, you're good <laughs> Um, but uh, we want to support, support her because that's a, I think it's a very creative idea. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, so let's get into our movie. Yes. So I really, so we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think that's my favorite, but this is very, very close. And I, I always knew I loved this movie. I've watched it like three more times since yeah, then. we watched just, it last night. And yeah. I watched it again last night, yeah. and I just love it so much. Yeah, it is fantastic. Uh, this is actually um, another one that I don't think I really saw it till I was a teenager. I remember there was being like a competition between Jason and Freddy Krueger and oh. Michael Myers. And I saw all the Jason movies and I saw all the Freddy movies. But for some reason, I just never got into the Michael Myers thing at all. I never rented them. I never knew anything about them. I just, for some reason, thought maybe they were lame. Um, and then one day in high school, me and my buddy rented it, the first one. And we were both like, you know, I mean, we, we just talked the whole night about how scary that freaking movie was and how much better it was than Jason and Freddy. So then I went and watched all of them mm-hmm. to, you know, steadily diminishing returns. But they're all, they're all pretty good, you know. But um, but the original was just so freaking good. And I think I've probably seen, I would I would wager I've seen it at least 12 or 13 times, you know, since I was a teenager. It's a classic. Well, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a nice, easy watch, too. Yeah. Um, I should give out to a shout out to my friend Vanessa, who's a, a fan of the podcast. This is her favorite horror okay. movie of all time. And Michael Myers... Uh, I mean, if you spend a few hours with Vanessa, he just comes up in conversation with her naturally. <laughs> he, she loves him. That's great. Uh, so, uh, and she gave me some good ideas uh, for the podcast too on uh, some thoughts she had on Halloween, which I had not thought of. So, some of the things I'll say uh, on this podcast, I hope I'll give her credit, but they're actually her ideas. So. Okay. So this was a John Carpenter movie, and uh, at the time, I think he had done a couple things, but nothing like this. Uh, he had done a, like a sci-fi movie that didn't really go anywhere. But he was kind of known as like a B-movie up-and-comer. Mm. And then he did this, and of course, um, it was just a huge, huge hit. And there's nearly nothing like it at that time. I guess that's debatable. Right. But, I mean, I was just looking at, for instance, Roger Ebert's review of it from the time. He gave it four stars, which mm. for him is huge because he usually didn't like horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he was kind of talking about just how you know, unique it was. But, you know, we did The Town that Dreaded Sundown recently. Right, which was 76, yeah. And uh, a lot of the things in Halloween, actually, uh, you could kind of trace back a little bit to The Town that Dreaded Sundown. Like, for instance, I was thinking about, you know, the opening scene in Halloween where you had the, you know, the point of view shots of the young Michael Myers. And I was thinking, oh, that's probably one of the first times he did that. Well, that's not true because they did that in The Town that Dreaded Sundown. The sort of point of view serial killer shot. Yeah, and that's what we were, that's what we, we were talking about. I think on that episode, we had mentioned. We did, yeah. And then, but I didn't quite think about it in the whole scheme of things that this came before. Yeah. Well, so this was written in two weeks. Is the lore? I, I can is believe that possible? That. I can believe. It. <laughs> shot in twenty days, and then John Carpenter did the music in three days. That is hard for me to believe. I he can just, believe him writing it in two weeks. You know, but, but also, it was just, it's, this is a nice counterpoint to The Shining, where yeah. Kubrick took what was supposed to be like a six-month shoot, turned it into a year shoot, 
reshot everything like a hundred times. Was writing it as you're shooting it or rewriting it rather. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't have spent too much money on this. I'm, I didn't really look up the budget or anything, but it was three hundred thousand. Yeah. So this. But is, it but it made, I mean, ten times that. So three hundred thousand. So that wasn't. Um, oh, so that was three times as much as still Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This was also one of the first movies that really incorporated that Steadicam. This is one. Of, this is like credited as one of the first movies that kind of utilized that. So this came out in '79. So so did Alien. So that's a good movie. That was a good. Well, I guess you would disagree, but. I mean, that's a good year for horror. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. two sort of, you know, really influential classics. You know, that doesn't come along much. Um, but the opening scene, I guess we should kind of just get into it. Uh, you have, you know, I, it occurred to me last night, I, I just haven't really thought about this because I just assumed you always knew it was a child in this first scene, but you don't really know that. Yeah. Um, so there's a tracking shot, you know, of, of something or someone, you know, walking through this house. It's just kind of one of those funny things you don't think about when you've seen something 15 times. But it, it, the way the camera moves, it doesn't, I mean, it's not like it's low to the ground. It's, it, it looks like it's, you know, like an adult walking through the room or the house. Well, yeah. And also, you wouldn't think that a kid would be outside of the house looking through the windows. Right. I mean, you never would have guessed in a million years that it was her brother either. Because yeah. I, um, so even when she's, you know, even when he enters the room and sees, you know, his naked sister, you know, she she yells, you know, Michael, and so maybe you think, oh, is it's like what his his boyfriend, yeah, or her boyfriend. <laughs> well, like I was telling you, like so, in those shots too, that's Deborah Hill's hand that reaches out and gets the knife and stuff. So it so Deborah Hill's the um, the writer. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, there is no way to to know that it is. So it is very. I'm sure that was very shocking. Yeah. Especially for that time. You do have uh, your first uh, some nudity. You have some sex. Okay. Some sex, yeah. my gosh, that was just like the fastest sex. I don't. Again, I think we were talking about this last night. I'm not sure if John Carpenter knew what sex was. He's that not time. sure. He's not. He's not clear. They they go in there. They come out. Something happens. He's putting his shirt back on. There's boobs. Yeah, they just rub. They just rub their bare boobs against each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they needed. Um, and the parents are just kind of like, what happened? They don't seem to run upstairs, or they just kind of... Yeah, that's kind of a a badly staged scene, if you think (laughs) about it. They don't... They're badly blocked, I guess, as far as the actors go. They just... I mean, they just... It's like they just said, okay, just pause, and we'll pull the camera back for 30 seconds. (laughs) Just don't do anything. But it's still effective, because you're... I think that's one of those things, that you've seen the movie several times, you notice it. But really, you're focused on the kid the first time, and it's super creepy. Well, we did... But before all that, I mean, the movie starts with just the music. Yeah. And... It's it's scary every time. Yeah, this has um, for horror movies. Well, I mean, there's a lot of good, good competition, but this is definitely one of the you know John Carpenter does his own music. It's always awesome, you know, whether it's this or Christine or um, you can actually buy his uh, music on vinyl too. Oh, wow. I, I thought about doing it. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, so this is probably his obviously his most famous score. Uh, it's hard not to get excited when it starts playing or creeped out. And it's just a uh, black tracking shot and they're getting closer and closer to a jack-o'-lantern yeah maybe you can insert some of the music during the episode maybe maybe <laughs> so then um yeah so michael has killed his sister with a with a very large knife it's kind of uh, pretty shocking although it's you know there's not really any blood or anything it's not too gratuitous it's there's some, some blood on her boobs and stuff oh but, is there okay yeah but also it's just like he he's like six he must have been but maybe I mean, we learn later that he does seem to have like this some almost supernatural strength. So, because I was thinking, why can't he? She, she just push him off. 
So then we um, flash forward to... Um, and it says Haddonville, Illinois, 1963. Then we, when we flash forward, it's 1978. So 15 years later. So he's like yes. 21 or so. Yeah. So then we meet um, our favorite, uh, Dr. Loomis. Yeah, so this is interesting. So it's before... I think the first title card is Donald Pleasance. In. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a big actor. I, he I, was. I'm not sure what else he was in, really, but I like a million things. I mean, like The Great Escape, all those like yeah. 50s, 60s movies. Um, I, I was thinking about like what would the equivalent of that be nowadays, which is actually very similar to the town that dreaded sundown. That actor that they used, that was the the guy who was the big star. Hmm. He was essentially just an older actor who had been in a lot of things. He might have been in The Great Escape too. And so it's like today, like if they cast like Anthony Hopkins or something. Yeah. And you just have to kind of know his history. Yeah. I mean, he's very, that actor is very good in it, but boy, is that character crazy. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, um, Loomis, you know, obviously is, uh, is Michael Myers, former doctor who I guess, well, I guess he's his current doctor, right? And, oh yes. I am his doctor. He keeps saying yeah. and his name is Dr. Sam Loomis which was the same... Sam Loomis was the same name as Janet Lee's boyfriend in Psycho. Really? That's interesting. Yes. And Jamie Lee Curtis is Janet Lee's daughter. Yes. And the woman that plays Annie, her last name is Loomis. So I don't understand how... It's somehow... And then like in Scream, his last name is Billy Loomis. So it all seems to be like somehow tied Yeah. Well, together. Scream is probably just riffing off of, you know, Halloween, I would guess. Yes. Yeah. But like I was telling you, that was one of my horror movie questions at my Halloween comedy show, and nobody got it. I got it. You did. Yeah. I was very proud of you. Last night. <laughs> I was getting. I was just disappointed in them. I did a couple, and they were nobody knew. And finally, I just said, "Just name a fucking horror movie." <laughs> do they do that? <laughs> they just laughed. So yeah, so uh, Doctor Loomis is being driven by a nurse to the psychiatric hospital where Michael Myers is to do what to interview him i'm not really sure what's no they have to transfer him for some reason oh okay and it's raining and um then there's you know you see all these mental patients milling about and, and she's uh, like they don't let them outside yeah. do they are they supposed to do that <laughs> uh, actually the line is uh, since when do they let them wander around which uh it's also like pouring down rain yeah i mean um so dr loomis immediately knows that this is not good um i guess there's been a mass there's breakout. evil yeah there's <laughs> evil there no, the evil is gone, Kristen. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> yes. He gets in the car, and Michael actually carjacks the the nurse. Yeah. <laughs> who, um, to her credit, is able to fight him off and survives. And survives. Yeah. So, so good for her. Yeah. So, um, and then Loomis, you know, says uh, dramatically that you know, first he says he's gone from here. Yes. Which is you know obvious, but then he follows up with the evil is gone. The evil is gone. <laughs> So that's, and I wonder why he thinks again. I mean, I just I know he says he's been studying him for fifteen years, whatever. But why does he feel like he is so evil? He killed his sister, yes, but why does he think that if he gets out, he's for sure just going to go on a killing spree? He's been incarcerated for fifteen years. Maybe he gets out and just wants to go back in. Yeah. How does he know? Because he doesn't talk either. Yeah, I think his 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 thing is that he doesn't feel he ever uh, showed any remorse or any you know feeling at all about it so yeah, by that logic it seems like a very like you, i think you had said a very specific crime against yeah, his sister that's true yeah but since so, i said it <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I guess I and you know there it is a little bit more in the Rob Zombie version, which um, I do kind of recommend in a way. Uh, you know, they get into that more because they actually show uh, Doctor Loomis, who's played by um, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. Oh right. <laughs> um, and they show those scenes, and and they show Doctor Loomis trying to break through to Michael, who at first is like. Um, and one of the creepy things about that movie, at first he is actually kind of expressive and will talk, and he's like a normal kid. Oh. Uh, even though he has done these horrible things. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense they would necessarily go out and just mass murder people. But it also makes sense that he would go home. I mean, he's never been anywhere else, you know. He was locked up when he was six, so where else would he know to go, you know? He didn't know how to drive. Well, he's doing quite well last <laughs> night. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, and I don't know what I meant, but he I put I wrote that Donald Pleasance plays Loomis like he's an angry Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> that is very specific. <laughs> I am not sure. Yeah. I think I just meant the way he reads his lines. He, he sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but just yelling. Oh, okay. That's uh, interesting. And I, I mean more the Alec Guinness version. More oh, than the, right. Uh, than the Ewan McGregor. Right. So um, we get back to Haddonfield, uh, and... Uh, Again, the music amps up. Yeah, so now it's Halloween. Right. The actual Halloween day. And we see little Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, so beautiful. The way they have her dressed, the first few sequences, and, and I'm not I'm not shaming her, but she dressed like an old librarian. She does look like a she should be the teacher. Yeah, and she looks like she's 35 years old for some reason. <laughs> yes. Um, but once they dress her down, she looks much younger. It's kind of interesting. So I think it's brilliant that he cast Jantley's daughter. I wonder if that's intentional. Or did well, she just audition for it? I well, don't she know. auditioned first, and he didn't know who she was. Okay. And then once he found out who she was... He's like, oh, gotta get her. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if he would have cast her if not for that. But still, I mean, she she's a great actress. Yeah. She, she does great in this. So. I guess I never really thought about the fact that you have two iconic horror... What do you call them? Scream queens, I suppose. You know, that's pretty cool. You know, Janet Lee, who's mm-hmm. probably the icon. But, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is... In her own right, just as big. Oh, as yeah. far as in that genre. Yeah, for sure. And so Laurie, I guess, is supposed to be, what, like 17, maybe? Well, yeah, she's, I mean, she's definitely in high school. So yeah. I figured she's a senior something. But so Michael is 21. And if she's been living there the whole time, they could have possibly, like, known each other or gone to birthday parties or, you know, it seems like it's such an old, because like, they go by the Myers house and it's, like, all decrepit. No one had lived there since that. The murder happened. And I act like it was so long ago. Well, it's even weirder if you... I mean, I know we're not talking about the sequels, but, you know, right. the sequels, she's the sister. Yeah. So, I mean, I are we supposed to... Well, I, I can't tell if we're supposed to acknowledge her or not, because, you know, the new movie, that's gone. Yeah. So I guess we just pretend she's not her sister. Yeah, because in, in the new movie, they say that was a myth. Okay. Or, yeah, they, they bring it up, and they were like, no, that's not true. That was a myth. But I don't know why the new movie is any more canon than the, the six sequels that followed the original. I mean, come on. John I, Carpenter wrote the first sequel one, so he... Yeah, but it's an interesting idea that they just decided to go... That they just go straight from the original. I mean, that's an interesting idea. No, I, I do like that. I, do like um, that. I did not like the two 2018 one, um, but I think I, I just didn't want to see Laurie Strode be still a victim you know i wanted to see her live a good life and deal with her trauma in a good way maybe help others through trauma not spend 40 years being terrified and ruining her relationships and losing her daughter and i read up some reviews all by men who were saying like oh no she's a badass you know she's been getting ready for this and it's like i don't want that for her like 
It'd be fine if she had been living a great life all the way up to this, and then she had to like. Yeah, I, I see what she you made mean. Made me sad. I guess I, yeah, I need to watch it again. But I do kind of remember thinking when I watched it, if all this happened to her is that one night. Right. And yeah, 40 so we're years not even ago, talking about we, if, especially if we're cutting out all the sequels, especially Halloween two. Yeah. Because the same thing happens essentially. She gets chased again the whole rest right. of the day, and then she comes back in H two O and I don't know whatever else. But but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, a lot of people compared it to like Linda Hamilton and Terminator Two. So you have the Terminator, you know, and she's right. not a badass. It's like she's you know uh, kind of you know just normal girl, and she has this horrific experience happen to her, and then she becomes you know a badass in T two, and she's hardened and like this warrior. But that's only like a few years later. And it's because specifically she's been given this horrible future to deal with and a son to protect. Yes, and there's she, there's something on the line there. Yeah, and yeah. she's also not um, really a victim per se. So yeah, it is kind of... So if you compare those two stories, the Jamie Lee Curtis thing, which I heard people compare that to the Sarah Connor thing, it doesn't really make a ton, a lot of sense. She like, hasn't had to be on edge this whole time. He's been in prison for 40 years. Yeah. And... I, somehow she knew that he would get out 40 years later or and come after her yeah preparing i don't know i just didn't yeah i, don't, I remember not fully buying that either but i kind of just ran with it because well i guess it's a concept so and I, I mean again i don't want to this is this is a fictional story so i guess i can say this but it wasn't that bad what she went through <laughs> i mean like i've i've seen like we've done so many of these stories nothing like what sally goes through in chainsaw mask with that but also in true stories like these true crimes that we've talked about all right but let's get back to this original perfect movie right so the the house from halloween is um in pasadena and in the 80s they actually like relocated it down the street because it was set to be demolished and they made it a historical monument so you can still go and visit it it's just uh, in a different location and then i was also telling you about like some of the other houses that are used are still on that same street in pasadena because i i mean i'm sure most people know it, it was shot in california but they chose that particular location because it doesn't look like california yeah i actually did not know that I they just... blew all those leaves in there too oh, that's to make nice. it look like it was fall because that does make sense too when you think about like i don't know i mean illinois is pretty far north so you think that at the end of on halloween it'd be pretty cold but yeah. Annie's going in and out with just a t-shirt on and so yeah. you kind of get the but but I think they do a great job of making it seem Yeah, like I never even thought about that. Yeah. M- movie magic. <laughs> Blowing those leaves in. <laughs> Lori is the daughter of a realtor and so her dad realtor is actually selling Michael Myers' house. Yeah. Which um, is not looking like it's in good shape anymore. <laughs> no. Um, it's sort of the kind of haunted house vibe on you know that all the kids are scared of. Yes. Um but Lori is uh, given the keys, and I guess she's supposed to go lock it up or something. I'm not sure. She drops the keys off, like in front of the, like under the mat, you oh. know? But anyway, so her and little Tommy Doyle, who she, who's her little, I mean, she babysits him and they're best friends. Well, I kind of like that because, like, in a, a more modern day horror movie, that scene when Tommy and her meet, I think there would have definitely been a jump scare of him coming up behind her yeah. or coming around or something but he just comes up and says hey what you doing and they walk and they talk together yeah i like then, i like that kid he's he's good in, he's yeah. good in that movie too. yeah um, he's not annoying no um he's you kind of feel sad for him because he's bullied but they don't overdo it yes it's just the whole point is like he's kind of scared of the boogeyman but that's saying anyway, what that's how mike myers myers first notices her because she goes 
to this house and he's there of course you know this i guess that's interesting that's the first place he went apparently yeah that's his house yeah um, mom dad <laughs> and that's it that's the only and that's what's kind of scary about the movie is like there's no real reason for why he pursues this girl so kind of relentlessly it's just because he saw her and, yeah and maybe, maybe she reminded him of her his sister right I, the sequels do kind of demystify that a little bit by it being his sister and this and that. There's yeah. just reason. So that makes sense why they kind of got rid of all that. Although it's kind of interesting in its own right. Um, but I think it is more scary when there's just no real reason for it. It's just, oh, he saw her. He was intrigued for whatever reason. And, and then he just sort of followed her the rest of the goddamn yes. movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so they have the scene where she come, he comes out, which I, I mean, they just walked away. Yeah. And they didn't see this guy come out. But it's fine. That's perfect. And well, he, he's very stealthy. Yeah, he is. And he's watching her. And he already has his uh, Michael Myers mask. For some reason, whenever I think about this movie, I always imagine a scene where he, he buys the mask and puts it on. And they mm-hmm. show that. And I don't know where I'm getting that from. I don't know if that's in the Rob Zombie version or is one of the sequels or what. But that does not like happen. He like he goes in there with like money and like <laughs> or steals it, it or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we find out later that yes, he did. He broke into the hardware yeah. store. So I think that's just one of those things I imagine. It's kind of like when we did our arachnophobia episode and I had that yeah. hallucination about the physical scene with the football players. Yes, just something that just never happened in the movie. But anyway, yeah. So he has a mask on the whole time, and I, I remember thinking like in Scream. Well, wouldn't someone notice him that he's walking around with this mask on and all mm-hmm. creepy? Then I remember, oh, yeah, it's Halloween. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's so creepy about it, too. And that's why I was wondering, like, did he realize that it was Halloween? And he does, he does he have the mental capacity to think it's Halloween, I can put this on? Or was he just not thinking at all and it just happened to be Halloween? You know, I think the idea is, is that's why he broke out, though. because it was Oh, the anna- right. Because it was the anniversary yeah. of. So, so he remembers Halloween. Yeah. He remembers I mean, They're probably Halloween. putting pumpkins up in the, yes. in the psych ward. And- <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I should kill people. <laughs> <laughs> they can blame it on whatever, you know, nurse was in charge of crafts that year. <laughs> it's completely her fault for yes. triggering him. <laughs> but for the famous mask, I mean, I think uh, most people have heard the story about how he, some art director guy was sent down to go get a mask. And there was a couple options. And one was a William Shatner mask. And so they they brought that one back and spray painted it white and like stretch it out a little bit to make it look different and that's what he wore i mean i guess i mean people always say william shatner mask and this but do, i mean i guess it was obviously a captain kirk mask right because why would there be a william shatner yes yes <laughs> captain kirk mask yeah. that's interesting yeah everyone always does say a william shatner <laughs> why would that exist yeah. <laughs> um, i think the one in the 2018 one is really creepy they yeah. made it look really good yeah they did a good job with it i forget how it gets it? Oh, because that's actually his old one. Yeah, yes, they, they and show he, it to he goes him. and finds it. So we see, you know, quickly that um, you know Tommy Doyle is being bullied at, bullied at school. They keep saying he's going to get you. That just establishes the fact that you know he has some yeah, sort he of. Yeah, he smashes his pumpkin. Yeah, and then so Michael. I mean, just Michael seems like he's connecting with him and yeah. remembering being a kid, or because he kind of scares the kid, the, the bully away uh, he kind of grabs the bully you that's know that's interesting so maybe when he looks out the house and he sees Tommy Doyle and Laura he maybe in his mind sees himself <gasps> and his yes. sister yes cuz he kind of follows both of them so he obviously follows the kid to school yes um, but he also follows Wait well, well before that we have the scene of Lori in in class yeah I wonder how I knew which classroom she was in. Doesn't matter. But I like that he just parks right in front of the school, gets out and just stares. (laughs) And she kind of sees him and then um, 
like kind of looks around and then he he disappears which is they're similar so it was kind of like in um it follows there's a similar scene yeah, yeah. where she's stuck kind of stuck inside the right. classroom which is kind of scary you're kind of stuck there you're seeing something that nobody else is seeing i mean even hereditary the little girl's looking out the window but that's because she somehow the bird flies in and cuts off its head it's a little different but <laughs> Because she's being possessed by a payment, but right, it is also kind of funny that he he drives. I don't know why, but you know, Jason Voorhees doesn't drive a car (laughs) when he's killing people. He just cruising around. He has places to go. So at the same time, you have a Dr. Loomis doing his just god awful investigation. He's just the worst. I mean, he's not a detective. I should be. Yes, but he tells the detective, "Don't tell anybody, (laughs) because then we'll see him on every corner." And I think you were like, "Isn't that what we want?" Right. We want to catch him. Yeah, but he does, uh, to his credit. Well, even then, I'm not sure he really knows what he's finding, but he finds the abandoned truck that... Yes. Well, he puts it together because of that matchbook that he found. Oh, right, right. So that was yeah. the nurse's matchbook Yeah. that was in the car, but then hijacks the tow truck and takes his clothes, but then he gets... He takes the same car. So what was the point of him hijacking the tow truck? Oh, I don't know. That's a good point. clothes? I think the idea is that, yeah, I don't know. I need to watch that again. But that, that's interesting, too. That's how he get, gets his iconic. Yeah. It could have been anybody. Yeah. He who. killed two, like, mechanics or something. So he has these these jumpers on, this jumper, uh, which I never really thought about. But that's where he got his, his famous outfit from. Yeah. And Dr. Loomis doesn't find the body. Only we see it. Right. So. And then so he's still not sure, but I guess he has an idea. Yeah. Of, well, he finds his old, I guess, robe or whatever. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, so he knows he's around there somewhere. This is where we should have had just everybody they could possibly find come and start looking for this guy. But he's yeah. like, no, I got it. He can't tell anybody. Although he's just walking around shouting about the evil. <laughs> the evil's gone. The evil's gone. Uh, but let's not have any more specific help. So we're introduced to uh, Lori's friends, who are fabulous. They are. We have um, Linda, who is played by um, PJ Souls. From, yes. from Carrie. The, you know, Carrie, she was the girl that wore the baseball cap the whole time yes. with the pigtails. Yes. And she's so cute in this. Yeah. She kind of, I guess she's supposed to be sort of a dids a little bit. She says, the, you know, the word totally lie. Like, yes. totally, you know. Uh, but we like her. She's very pretty. Um, well, she's also the one that's like, who needs books? I forget my books all the time. She's just very cute. Yeah. And just like, she's just happy and living life. Yeah. It's very sad what happens to her. Uh, and then we also have uh, Annie, who sort of has the sort of more the perm. Um, she looks 36. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Just at first. Just that outfit. You know, she, I mean, you, you said that you thought she had the coolest outfit. Ever, yes. With the sort of vest and the colored um, button up kind of work shirt almost. Yeah. I remember watching it with my mom and being like, oh, I love their clothes. And my mom was like, what? That's what I wore. That's the clothes that I wore. Because she graduated... Um, in 74 i believe you know so and i was like yeah yeah but but she's cool. awesome um and they just kind of talk about you know teenage girl things they uh, um they mostly make fun of Lori though because she's doesn't seem to be as she's kind of nerdy and bookish and doesn't seem to be as into as much as the guys as they are yes uh the implication is she's clearly a virgin although she's a teenager it's okay yes <laughs> um <laughs> But there's, you know, I thought there's kind of one main thing where um, Lori says, seems to even be halfway interested in a guy. And one of the girls says, oh, I didn't even think you thought about those things. Oh, yeah. Ben Tramer. Uh, 
I just thought that was very mean. Like, I didn't know you thought, like, like she's not even a person. Like, of course she thinks about those things. Well, Leave I know. Life. And then also, I mean, Lori says right out, she was like, boys think I'm too smart. Or something like that. Yeah. There's some nice little human moments throughout the movie. It's kind of interesting how, why that's even there at all, because they don't necessarily need it. They could just proceed with the killing, but it's nice they have those things. Yeah. But then, so, for they're all babysitting that night? Okay, this, is, this was what was odd. So, it's Halloween night. And usually you're, if you have kids, you're kind of stuck at home. You take them out trick-or-treating. You get, get them to bed. But everybody's going out. Same thing with Michael Myers' parents. They're coming home from being out. Yeah. I just didn't know that. So John Carpenter doesn't know what sex is, and he doesn't know what Halloween is. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Lori and Annie are both babysitting. Right. And they're babysitting near each other. Yes. And then Linda has this plan to come over and fuck somewhere. <laughs> She's going to figure it out. Yeah, she has a boyfriend who, I guess he's, he looks like he's in college or something. Uh, maybe not, but he's got the glasses. Yeah, Bob. Uh, Bob. But this whole time, before the babysitting even starts, and while it's still daytime, Michael Myers is just following Lori around <laughs> openly. Yeah, driving around. Uh, she sees him no less than five times. <laughs> I, I don't feel like she really ever gets as concerned as she should be. I mean, like, she, like, I mean, if you looked out your window and you saw some guy in a mask just staring there and then you saw him again five minutes later and then again while you're walking down the street <laughs> would you not just like i'm just gonna call the police there's a guy following me i know well every time she tries to kind of rationalize it and then she's yeah. like well that must have been the old guy across the street in well the it mask. must have been yeah. yes and it must have been my imagination she says something about how she doesn't believe in these superstitions anymore it's like those aren't superstitions you're seeing a man yeah you're seeing somebody he's there yeah <laughs> But I guess nobody else sees, has seen him too, you know. So maybe she is thinking. But like, even that, like, if if, if I was okay, so I'm, I'd, I'd be worried about the guy following me. But if I thought I was hallucinating all of a sudden, I'd be equally worried. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> she doesn't seem to be terribly concerned about it. Oh, and we didn't mention that Annie, her dad is uh, the, the cop, sheriff, the sheriff, right? Yeah. Know, which is kind of like in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, how Nancy's dad is like the cop or Scream. Hmm? Scream. Oh, Her brother right. Scream. is the yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if they all got that from that. Yeah, I think so. But they're walking down the street, and Michael drives by his car. Michael Myers. Yeah, and they're <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's so and so. He's cute. And it's like that man is clearly wearing a mask, <laughs> but I guess they can't really see. I don't right. know. And he uh, drives by, and and um, I thought I wrote it down. Speed kills. Yeah, speed kills, and it. Pisses him off. <laughs> Slams on the brakes. Pumps on the brakes. And decides to kill them all. Yeah, and that, yeah. That, so that'd be that's. I think that's the funny thing. That that's that's where it all starts. <laughs> uh, before that, he was again. He was he was leaving town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that scene that I thought was interesting, where um, openly kind of smoking pot yeah. in the car, and I thought at the time, well, that's pretty. Um, maybe that's like a, just a thing of the '70s. Then I thought, well. I guess that's the thing now. I mean, people do that. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess it's not as crazy as he gives it. But then also, like, they pull up and her police officer dad is there. Yeah. And I think Lori's like, he's going to smell it. She's like, he's not going to smell it. Like, how would you not smell it? Yeah. And also, it's not like so. It's not like Lori's perfect. I mean, yeah, maybe she's not wanting to go fuck in the parents' bedroom of the kids she's babysitting. Yeah, but she likes to toke up. But yeah, so, I mean, you know, she's not perfect. 
but the, the, one of the funny things is, you know, when they do see the dad, the cop, you know, he they're, he's investigating some break-in at a hardware store or something. His daughter asks him what was stolen, and he says, oh, nothing. All it took was some rope, a couple of Halloween masks, and some knives. Yes. <laughs> Just those crazy kids. Yeah. That's all that's missing. And, oh, that's, uh, but that's where he got his Halloween mask was from that, that hardware yeah. store. Yeah, yeah. Then, so that, yeah, so that's when uh, Loomis comes in, crazy Loomis. But he's never boring, that's for sure. So he says he's going to go hang out at the old Myers house. Yeah. And so, but, so him and the, I guess it's the sheriff, it's uh, her dad, Annie's dad, they go and check out the old Myers house. They go inside. There's a good, a good jump scare when the, whatever that falls in breaks the window. It's like a branch or something. Yeah. And um, they kind of check out, and he's like, this is where it happened. He's very excited because earlier he also went to go check out Judith Meyer's grave. Right, right. Tells Somehow a story knew, about yeah. um, uh, he he said I I met this six year old child with the, this blind, emotionless face, the blackest eyes, yes. the devil's eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and the cops like, who are you? <laughs> uh, he has some great lines. He does. But, um, so anyway, he's on his own little adventure, uh, not accomplishing much at all. But you know, he well, let's let's give him his credit. But at the grave site, I mean, it looks like like so. Michael Myers didn't have to like he didn't seem to use a shovel or anything. He just yoink. Yeah. So it kind of shows his whatever this. He he definitely has some sort of power that's beyond a normal man. Well, he's also very big. I mean, he's kind of towers over everybody. He's kind of tall, but he, I, I, I told you I noticed after rewatching it again last night, he looks so trim. I think it's because I had just watched the 2018 one again, and it's the same actor. It's Nick Castle. Well, I don't think Nick Castle plays the shape. In the, I think he, he's in the, he's in that movie, but he's like, oh, no, you're right. You're right. I think it is him. And so he's obviously filled out. He's, whatever, 40 years older, and he looks more menacing. Yeah. But then when you look at the 1979 one... Like, he just looks like a trim, like, 1970s guy. So he doesn't look, like, big and beefy at all, which makes it a little scarier, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it is pretty creepy that he's stolen his sister's tombstone, so when the other shoes are going to drop on that. But, yeah. Um, but now we get to the scary stuff. So, well, so now they're both at their respective houses with yes. Lindsay and Tommy? Yeah, so Lori is babysitting Tommy, her buddy. Um, they're pretty cute together. They bo- they're both are pretty cute. Yeah. Like, it's a good... I think I w- was reading something about how, like... So, Deborah Hill wrote it, and she wrote all the dialogue um, as a woman and also as a babysitter. And so, it wasn't, like, what uh, a dude who's never babysat before, perhaps, would think would... Yeah. what it's like. It's like, no, you kind of have a relationship with the kid. You're, you're, you're more buddies. And so I think that Annie has a good line whenever she wants to go pick up her boyfriend, Paul... And Lindsay's like, I don't want to. And she's like, I thought we understood each other. You know, I let you stay up and watch movies, but you got to come and help me pick up my boyfriend or whatever, you know? So it, they're very yeah. cute. It's, yeah, it's actually that stuff that probably, you know, elevates it over the other ones. Like, there's nothing like that in Friday the 13th. I don't mean babysitting stuff. I just mean, like, actual relationships yeah, and yeah. human beings. Because like, cause I, I babysat these great, there was five kids. And they were great. And I put the younger ones to bed. What, what, when, when, like when you were a teenager? Yeah. Oh, I when I was that. like 13. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. They lived across the street. There's five of them. There were two, four, six, eight, and ten. And then they, obviously they aged. And then there were three, six, nine, whatever. Do they love you? Yes. I loved them. I still love them. Now they're all grown and a lot of them have their own kids. But 
But I would let the oldest two stay up with me and watch ER if it was Thursday night or whatever <laughs> was on. But when the the mom's headlights came in, they had to bolt upstairs <laughs> and get to into bed. They couldn't t- say anything. So you would watch ER together? Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, man, I miss ER. I do too. Well, so, and so Annie calls Lori and she tells her that she invited Ben Tramer, which is another spoiler alert, but apparently I think Ben Tramer is the one who dies in Halloween 2. So we never actually get to meet him. But anyway, and she gets real upset about that. There's that w- weird scene where she's playing with her hair. Remember yeah. they, they have a weird cut where she like giggles? Yeah, I almost wonder if that was like one of the first things they shot where maybe she had a different take on the character. Like she's playing it younger or something. Yeah. It doesn't jive at all with her character yeah, when she's you know more mature. But yeah, she's acting like a more typical sort of young teenager. Yeah. But then Tommy sees what he thinks is the boogeyman outside, which yeah. is Michael Myers standing across. But even if... Um, he had seen that again. It's Halloween, yeah. So, like, I think last year there's this house that was around the corner of in my neighborhood, and there was someone dressed as Pennywise staring at you. Uh, it was so good. It was like that the outfit that um, from the new movie, and it was so good. He was standing there with a red balloon, just standing in his front yard, and in your neighborhood, yes. Oh my god! And I remember like ushering my kids by very quickly because I knew that they would get scared. But it was very impressive. But so that's allowed. That also reminded me of like some stories I've heard about how dead bodies have been out in the open, but it's around Halloween time and no one realizes. Oh really? Yeah. There's been a few. There was a woman who hung herself in from a tree in Austin, Texas, like in 2012 or something, and people just drove by it. Not realizing it. Oh, my God. And there's another one where a guy died out on his front porch. He was sitting on his front porch, and he died, and everyone thought it was a Halloween decoration. Oh, that's terrible. It is, but that, that's the kind of stuff that can... It's going to happen to me. Um, <laughs> so... You're just going to be sitting out there with your skeleton? No one will know. <laughs> yes. I'll have to put the skeleton tomorrow. I'm sad. So Annie um, spills popcorn all over herself for a yeah. popcorn... Butter. Like butter, and so for that means. Remember how you have to take off all yeah, of your clothes, all your clothes, strip, <laughs> strip right, uh, in front of the the window. Uh, Michael Myers is watching this whole time. Lindsay does not give a fuck at all. What's happening? <laughs> She's fine. And so, what is that like? The dad's work shirt that she pulls. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. And puts on. Yeah, so she can you know show off those legs, <laughs> and then she leaves the house. Just walks out across the street. She's not wearing any pants. I mean, or she walks out to the laundry. Yeah, but then later she walks across the street to the neighbors to where Lori is. She's still not wearing pants. Nope. Uh, still. She puts a little, uh, like a little afghan on. <laughs> okay. It's completely inappropriate. Oh, so this is a laundry room scene. Yeah, but you think for sure that something's going to happen. This is where she's going to die. Yeah. Well, you see Michael Myers like five times yes. staring at her. <laughs> then she gets stuck in the window. What it reminded me of is, did you, ever, did you ever used to watch The Real World Miami? Remember that? Yeah. Where, um... Flora gets stuck in the window because she's trying to go see the people having sex. And oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I remind me of. <laughs> I think that was so funny. Yeah. Um, and she actually breaks the window. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, real world. So I guess Annie gets a call from her, her boyfriend, right? Yes. Who we never see. Uh, and then that's when she decides, well, I'm going to you know have some fun. Yeah, so but that's she- a great scene. When she's on the phone, the back door is open. She walks by... The, and you can see outside, nothing's there. She walks by, Michael Myers is standing there. And then she walks by again, and he's gone, but you can see a shadow. 
Oh, you can still see a shadow? Like disappear. Oh, it's I very, very that. creepy. That is creepy. So she takes um, Lindsay over to Lori's. She basically blackmails Lori. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I will tell, what's his name? This ben guy? Tramer. I'll, yeah, I'll tell Ben Tramer you like her or make you go on a date with you if you don't, if you don't babysit this child right now so I can go yeah but i think it's also kind of like a friendly thing like it's like she didn't think twice about she wasn't like why are you here what are you doing she was just like oh hey come on in yeah i'll watch him i don't think she i don't think it was that big a deal i think they're a little mean to her i'm just saying oh you think yeah i mean she's i mean i'm not i mean i think they like her and they love her and all that but i do think they take advantage of her um uh, michael eats a dog does he eat it yeah oh yeah because in the the house they find it yeah yeah, that was kind of weird, right? Seems well, like what he—he's been eating regular food in the hospital. Yeah, it seems like so. he just stop at a gas station and get something. But I guess he doesn't have any money. So he eats. They say it's still warm. I didn't know that he ate it. I thought he just killed it. He said he got hungry. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, this is when when Loomis and the yeah. cop go into the house. There's like two different dogs. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, he kills. Two then dogs. he kills another dog. <laughs> it's also interesting that they're watching the thing on the TV, which is a movie that. John Carpenter remade. Yeah, that, that was cool. And they actually play the thing music yes. over. Um, they actually T- yes, use talk, it. Talk about that. So famously in Scream, you know, they're watching this movie they're watching now. They're watching Halloween. There's a whole you know set piece around it. Uh, and then to the extent where the Halloween music basically plays as a music for Scream. Like yeah. when the killer for Scream is creeping up on people, they're just playing the Halloween music. And it's because they're watching it, but they don't have it's but it serves as the horror music for the, the movie, right? And they do the same thing in this movie. You know, they use the music from the, the thing, the original one, I guess, as sort of the source for the horror that's happening. Tommy's looking out the window. Right, right. Yeah. So in a way that just shows how brilliant Scream is because it's like four layers of it is. commentary on yes. uh, what they're doing there. But Tommy and Lindsay are cute, cute together too. You know, yeah, they're just like buddies. They yeah. want to hang out. Yeah, they are, but yeah, and I like when you know when Annie says, "Do you want to go see Tommy?" She's like, "Yeah." So I guess yeah. maybe she has a little bit of crush on. Oh him. yeah, maybe. Um, but then this is a so a scary scene when Annie gets killed. She wants to just leave the garage, and she goes into her car, and her car's locked, right? Yeah. She goes back, gets the keys, comes back to the car, opens the door without thinking about it. It's not locked anymore. Yeah, it's not locked anymore. And I remember me and my friend Jason, when we first saw that, we both gasped. Oh. It was, it was adorable. And I love that scene when she gets in the car. She kind of like pivots her like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And then she kind of looks up and she can tell that the windows are fogged. Yeah. And then he pretty violently kills her. It's yeah. pretty, I mean, it's. He strangles he, her. There's no blood. No. But it's very violent yeah it's i always forget how disturbing that scene is because we like we like her yeah it's very mean so there's a scene when i guess it's right before tommy sees michael outside and he like sneaks around to scare Lindsay because it's fun you know and so it kind of reminds us that it's fun to be scared but then all of a sudden then he's faced with these actual scary things even like in the scene i think a little later when loomis is watching the myers house and the kids come up they are daring each other to go up and like Loomis says he like scares them from bushes whatever he says and then he's kind of like smiling to himself and laughing because he's completely normal (laughs) yeah but it's just kind of shows that we forget like oh yeah being scared is fun Halloween is fun and then all of a sudden they're faced with this actual actual thing to be terrified of yeah and so we have this then we see uh Tommy Doyle watching Michael Myers carry 
yeah Annie into the house Which that's I, actually when the thing music is playing oh that's right I and mean, that is yeah that's that that whole part that yeah. was after and that's terrifying to see that yeah, it's even creepier once you know what he does there because he, you know, he you know, we know he lays her out was well, yes. that what he does or is he hang her which one is the one laid out on the bed with the yeah, that's Annie. Okay, so that that it makes is even creepier upon reflection because you know exactly what he's doing with her was that he's like presenting her for yeah whoever to find. But yeah, and so when she's in the car, he strangles her, but then you see a knife, and I guess he slashes her. You don't see any blood though. No. But then when you see her up there, you can tell her throat has been cut oh, when she's laying that's down. That's pretty. I actually did not know that, but that's that's creepy. So um, then Linda and Bob show up, yes. and so they have this plan that they're gonna fuck. Yeah. And they're drinking beers. And so, yeah, there's that really creepy line when someone says, I'm going to tear your clothes off and then you're going to tear my clothes off. And then Bob says, and then we're going to tear Lindsay's clothes off. <laughs> it's like, what the hell just happened? You imagine like a record, record scratch in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, ha ha ha. And then they run inside. It's like, okay, maybe you deserve to die. Maybe yeah. you would not grow up to be the, a great person. Uh, it's just the seventies, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure why that's funny, but and they again have like some, some weird sex. She seems like really into it, but there's no way it was that great. And then he just kind of rolls over. <laughs> but then uh, there's also that creepy scene where you see Michael's shadow go across, and he's he's up there watching them. I don't think I noticed that. God, yeah, we'll I'm, have to rewatch I keep, it. Keep missing it tonight. <laughs> and, we... and again, they're having sex, drinking beer, and smoking cigarettes in the parents' bedroom. Right. But that's where she tells them, you know, go give me a beer. And he says, I'll be right back. Yes. And that's the exact scene from Scream yes. where, they, where they echo that. Because you're never supposed to say, I'll be right back because he'll get killed. And he does. And that's a very scary scene when he goes downstairs and Michael just launches out of the closet or the pantry or whatever yeah. he's in. And just like one big stab. Yeah. And this is my friend Vanessa's favorite scene is not just that he stabs them, but... Uh, when he just kind of stares at him for yes. like five minutes. And then cocks his head. Yeah. I think I read that John Carpenter told him to look at him like he would like a butterfly specimen. So then the, this is when he, then this is when he gets silly. He goes back up. <laughs> just to getting a little Linda. silly. Yes. <laughs> he puts on a, um, a sheet and puts the glasses on over yes. the sheet. So I guess obviously she thinks it's her boyfriend, you know, playing a prank on her or whatever. Um, but it's it's definitely creepy because he just sits there and stares at her. My friend, again, Vanessa, had the idea that he's basically, I mean, he's already kind of dressed up, but now he's really dressing up for Halloween. And Oh, you yeah. Know, and so, like, this is him, again, sort of reenacting what he did with his sister all those years ago. Because back then, he, you know, remember he puts on the mask you know, that he found on the floor? Yes. So he's kind of doing that same thing over again. He's just dressing... Well, I mean, there's two things. He's dressing up as her boyfriend by wearing the glasses, but he's also wearing this sort of kind of typical ghost outfit. So, yeah, so he's playing. You know? Yeah. Um, and then I, he's probably pretty triggered by Linda's boobs. Oh, he's super triggered, yeah. Which is also <laughs> yeah. what he saw from his sister. Right, yeah. I didn't think about that, yeah. Oh, and then so so then Linda starts to get upset because she starts to get a little creeped out. She's like, okay, I don't like this anymore. And so she calls Lori. So this is pretty scary because Lori hears her which is very that's a scene from scream right yeah well i think it's actually a scream from a scene from a uh, nightmare on elm street too. oh okay yeah well, so many things ripped off this movie is kind of crap i mean scream you can't say rip it off because it's like opening knowledge that's the whole point yeah yeah but yeah so that's another pretty violent death he was he choker with a telephone cord is that what happens yes yeah it's pretty bad so she ends up being slept in the closet uh, meanwhile we have a uh, loomis 
just still inside. <laughs> Michael Myers hails. He's been standing outside there for like an yeah. hour. He turns around and he's like, the car. <laughs> right. Like, he's been there, dude. Yeah, he's is not. It's like not like Michael Myers just drove up or something. He's running around the neighborhood. Yeah. Just he's not being very gun. effective. He's basically spinning wheels the whole movie, just kind of spouting dialogue about how evil Michael Myers is. But it's effective. It's fine. Um, so finally, Laura goes across the street. I guess she notices all the lights are off. Oh, when she just had that perfect phone call. Yes. <laughs> That's probably more of the point. And she's like, hmm. So she walks over there, and then now we get to sort of the classic, and maybe this originated it, but, you know, the scene where, like, in Friday the 13th, where all the bodies start dropping yes. out everywhere. Yes, I guess that comes from this, because there's nothing really like that in the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, or even Texas Chainsaw. Like, she doesn't go into the house and find all of her friends. No, psycho or anything, nothing like that. So this is probably where that comes from. This is that last act where all the yeah. bodies... I'm just flying out yes. like that you know they made fun of American Psycho but mm-hmm. I guess the most it's most famously done in just the Friday 13 movies I mean it happens in every goddamn one of them yeah uh, but that's I guess where this gets from so she sees um, Annie you know laid out like you said With under the- under Michael Meyer or under Judith Meyer's tombstone mm-hmm. it's very disturbing yeah and then she finds Linda in the closet and then well she doesn't find her Linda I mean well, then, and then Bob swings down, and yeah. then so then Michael Myers pops out, and so seems like I mean, re, look, look, watching it, he seems like he could have stabbed her pretty easily, but he kind of sliced the side of her arm. So I wonder if he doesn't actually want to kill her, because there seems like there are a few times where he could have just stabbed her and he didn't, and then she falls down the stairs. Yeah, well, I just took it. I mean, he, she kind of does lean forward as she as he takes that first. Yeah, stab. and then she she punches the glass. Yeah, she doesn't jump through a window twice no, like Sally, no. but she's no Sally, but but she does get out. Sally would have been out of there down the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she runs back to the house to check on the kids. She has the she checks on the kids, make sure there's they're okay. Sally would say, "Fuck those kids." <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, Jamie's just screaming down the street. I do like how, um, and I guess this is also something that everybody else got this from, but Michael always just kind of walks. You know, of right. course, Lori's running across the street, banging the door. Michael's just calmly walking across what, the street. Which, I mean, I guess the, the zombies in Night of Living Dead start that, you know. Yeah, that's So he, true. he could have taken that from that. But yeah, that is something that's definitely from this and his calm walking away from things. Uh, but now, so she's banging on uh, Tommy's house, and Tommy needs to wake the fuck up, and he needs to move <laughs> his ass. But they get in the house, so it's good. And then the, the, but they find the windows open. Right. And then so she stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle, mm-hmm. and she thinks, done. That, that was easy. Well, he falls down, I guess. <laughs> Do you but... think if that, if that was all of it, she would still have that trauma 40 years later? Because <laughs> she had to run across the street one day? I don't know. Well, she did find she's... her friends did. Yeah, and then she stabbed someone. I'm sure that's tough. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, then we talked about how she sits on the couch and then just throws the knife. Because the knife. she hasn't seen these movies. That's right. Yeah. Right. But even through all this, there's still very little blood. It's kind of similar to Texas Chainsaw. Like there's, I mean, it's, it's violent scenes, but yeah. there's not a lot of blood. There's I mean, a, I'm pretty sure you can show the whole movie like see on TV unedited, right? Well, except for the nudity. But yeah. otherwise there'd be... I mean, she has a little to... bit of blood on her hand from punching the window. Yeah. And she has just... Like a couple little drips, but that's about it. She and I like it's kind of like she she grabs whatever is around her as a weapon, yeah. which is kind of like a, in Housebound, which Brian and I talked about, which was kind of like what they did or your next, where they had to use whatever was just around the the uh, yeah. So I, I loved that she and she lost her knife twice, but so she had to 
And then she gets into the closet. Yeah, and that's that's uh, an iconic scene. I think yes. she uses the coat hanger in that one. Yeah, but. but she like doesn't even just she like fashions a weapon out of it while she's in there. But being stuck inside of a closet. It's just it's terrifying. A, yeah, it's a terrifying There's nowhere scene. to go. Yeah. I mean, that, like whenever I imagine myself being home invaded, uh, I always imagine a sequence like that. You know, just I'm, you know, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. The chances are that you either stay in the closet and they don't know you're there and don't check or they check the closet and then you're dead because there's nowhere to go. I always forget that you um, see his face, that he takes his mask yeah, off. I, always, that, I forget that every time. Yeah. That's what's interesting. So, so Nick Castle plays him. So but that's they, actually him then. No, they cast a different actor yeah. because he was more handsome, even though you barely see his face and his eyes all fucked up. But oh, I didn't even notice that. So Nick Castle is credited as the shape. So that means he's the one wearing the mask, but not the. Yeah. And then a guy named Tony Moran is credited as Michael Myers, age 21 or whatever. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. But now, so Loomis has finally shown up. He's found the house, mostly because the kids run out screaming. So he's like, oh, this is probably a clue. <laughs> right. He was like, that's the one. Yeah. But uh, he goes in and, uh, you know, shoots uh, Michael as he's coming one more time for Lori. Mm-hmm. And then the I think the scariest thing in the movie, for some reason, is when Loomis goes in the room and Michael's just standing there. Because he's just been shot five times, but he's still just staying there. Oh, right. Completely, completely still and just staring at him. It just freaks me out every time. Yeah. But then he shoots him again, he falls to the window, and and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> well, then when he looks back, he's gone. Yeah. Um, Which I did love in the new movie where they kind of, you know, because they have that music when he's gone, like the doo-doo. Mm-hmm. And they do that again when um, when Laurie's gone, like when Michael Myers looks oh. the window. Yeah, and, and Lori's yeah. gone. They did that same music. I remember in the theater, people started clapping. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that, that was a great thing. Yeah, that last sequence is I great just, where they, um, you know, they cut back from uh, the house. They go back basically to all the places that Michael has been terrorizing that night yes. and in his life. And so the it, it starts this, the house where they're at, then it goes back to I guess the house across the street, and then it ends at you know the his own house where you know where the where the horror began. Yeah, and then it just cuts to black. Yeah. the music because you know the evil is gone from here <laughs> the evil is gone from here yeah. well so the tropes that halloween started we can't say that they're tropes at that point no i mean the pure virgin being the one that survives yeah although i do like that it's not explicitly said that she's, no you know, that's not what they're really making fun of they're making fun of the fact that she's sort of a kind of just a nerd you know like yeah a, and so maybe that's why she was able to survive because she had her wits about her and she yeah. not that the other girls didn't no they deserved it <laughs> Well, I I want to I say Linda does, but boy, who does? <laughs> Linda for going and fucking in the parents' bedroom. Oh yeah, that is disgusting. Drinking their beer, but no, they don't deserve to die. But John Carpenter said he didn't think about that. That was never something that was like a reason. It doesn't really seem to be. The trope kind of became that if you drink, if you smoke, if you have sex, then you die. Yeah. But John Carpenter was saying like, well, that's what teenagers do. Yeah. So it just—I I never got that vibe from this movie. I got no, it more neither. from the, like Friday Thirteenth and all yeah. that. Yeah, but so nineteen seventy-eight. I mean, it was a pretty original horror movie. There wasn't a ton out. There was The Omen Part Two. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. You had Dawn of the Dead. So that's but you know completely different genre, right? Um, Halloween. I spit on your grave, which we've got to watch that. You know, it keeps getting yeah. referenced. I don't know what that is. Um, you had Jaws Part Two. But I don't know if you really consider that a horror movie. Piranha. That's about it. Five jack-o'-lanterns. Five jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> Five uh, 
Captain Kirk mask. <laughs> So I found a true crime that happened on Halloween. Okay. Was the true crime, do you think it inspired Halloween? No. Or just related to Halloween? Okay. Yeah, it's just related to Halloween. Gotcha. Well, so something else I wanted to talk about before we got into the true crime was, did you see that on, I happened to, so they just released like a little, little tiny teaser for Halloween ends or Halloween kills and Halloween ends. You yeah. Know? I actually watched it yesterday. Yeah. And so. Did you? So I happened to look up it up, and so Tommy Doyle is going to be in it. He's played by um, Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, yeah, I knew he was in it. I didn't know he was played by yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, but and Lindsay is in it too, played by the same actress who is now a Real Housewife. She's oh, like on the show, she's a Real Housewife. Yes. Of, like, of what I, city? I don't know, but it just blew my mind. I just happened to see that, and I was like, wait, so she's a Real Housewife somewhere in one of the tv shows good for Lindsay. but now she's back on as Lindsay. which sure i mean they're all gonna come back did together did she even see anything i mean no <laughs> what kind they... of trauma does she really <laughs> she's just watching tv and i mean i don't know if they're gonna survive which just makes me sad so like they were kids when this happened they put it behind them and now they have to come back and fight him for some reason and then <laughs> Anyway. I bet Lindsay just has some of those vague memories of Jamie Lee Curtis screaming at her one <laughs> Halloween night 40 years ago. And she just I bet, living her life. I bet she looks back on that, like, fondly. Yeah. Like, she didn't realize how terrifying it was at the time, maybe. She just got to go and hang out with Tommy Doyle. Anyway, so we'll I see. I wonder if they got married or something. Oh, my gosh. Well, so another, like, kind of true thing that this is based on is John Carpenter was a psychology student in, in Kentucky. Did you know this? I had no idea. I didn't even know he was from Kentucky. Well, I guess he was um, went to college there, hmm. and while he was there, they did a tour of a mental f- facility, and there was an 11 or 12-year-old boy who was just staring off in a schizophrenic state, is what they said. He said it was the creepiest thing he'd ever seen, and it stuck with him. Line that Dr. Luma says, this blank, pale, emotionless face, black as eyes, the devil's eyes. Oh, but so that's clearly where he got... Yeah. The inspiration. And he said it was the same thing. It was just like this this black eyes of this kid sitting there. Which yeah, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he didn't do anything, but <laughs> yeah. that inspired him he to write the story. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on Halloween, do you remember your parents going through your candy? Did they do that? Were they afraid of Oh no, they didn't care. See my mom did. Really? My mom was all was very into that kind of stuff. I mean, that's a good point, because it was the eighties and that was like a big Fear, but yes. I don't. I don't remember them ever doing that. I, I guess I only to the extent they went through my candy just to make sure I didn't like eat too much or there wasn't anything too gross in there. Like I go through my kids' candy now, but it never occurred to me to be looking for something. I was just well, trying to pick out what I want. You're talking like razor blades and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, it hasn't been more or less established that it was always like a just an urban legend. Yes. Okay. I'm curious. So there's never been any kid that's ever been poisoned or died there i have been like some things of like razor blades and candy and stuff but it's usually it's a it's a trick like not they didn't get it from some stranger it was like they did it oh the kid did uh, it. yeah well so or the, or a parent or well so the the latest um version of that though is supposedly people are finding like pot edibles in their in their candy bowls like things that look like candy but they're actually pot I don't think that's true either because I don't think people are used to be giving away their Right. I've read something about that too. Like there was some rumor about how people were giving away ecstasy pills. And it's like those pills are like $10 a piece. Yeah. I mean, why would you, I mean, 
I'm not saying this had never happened before, but it seems very unlikely. There was one where like a guy gave out laxative laced candy to some of the kids. I think that was confirmed, but I think everybody was fine. It's still a shitty thing to do. Yeah, that's a terrible thing to do, but that doesn't seem to have the same expense that getting rid of your hard one <laughs> drugs would be. Yes. <laughs> well, so I am going to tell you a story about Halloween night. Okay. Is it the night he came home? So this is a story about Halloween night in 1974, which was the same year that Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. And the same year that Brian was born. This was in Deer Park, Texas, which is, I guess, is where the water is made. You know, those bottled waters? Deer Park? I don't know. I just... (laughs) I'll say that. So Timothy O'Brien was eight years old. He went out trick-or-treating with his five-year-old sister, Elizabeth, his dad, Ron, and his friends, Mark and Kimberly Bates from church and their father. He wore a Planet of the Apes costume. Cute. Yeah. So this group was out. They went up to, I'm assuming also they went at like 4 p.m. Because that's what they seemed to do in the 70s. So they they went out. They went trick-or-treating. And then apparently the parents went out to their Halloween parties. I don't know. Did we we talk about that earlier? Because I feel like there's a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. Like that. Well, yeah. When I first saw it, I think we both mentioned E.T. Yeah. I was like, why are they going out? At like 3.30. It's so light but we were saying maybe it's different because it's in california but i was a kid in california in oregon where my formative years were and i don't i remember it being dark you wait till it was dark i don't know they don't know how halloween works they don't know how halloween (laughs) works okay so the group went up to this one house i'm assuming it's like a michael myers house it's dark and they knock on the door no one answers so the group moves on but for some reason ron who's timothy's dad says he'll stay and wait and see if anyone answers the door. So then he reappears a little bit later and he has five 22-inch long pixie sticks, which I didn't know they made them that long. Have you ever seen those? I, th- I think I have, yeah. Okay. Like the, yeah. Which is, a, I, that's that's pretty cool. So in our neighborhood this year, there was a guy who was giving out full boxes of nerds and it was like all over the neighborhood. Like all the kids, <laughs> like every time we ran into a kid, they'd be like, you gotta go down there. They have full boxes of nerds. And everybody was running down there. So that guy's got, we told him, you know, you have a reputation now. You really have to keep up with this stuff. Sure, what, what is a full box of nerds? Is that like the box? Like, with... a, like you get at, at the movies. Oh, 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 wow. That's yeah. Impressive. Yeah. God, it must be Daddy's, Daddy Warbucks over there. <laughs> so he gives one of these pixie sticks to his son, one to his daughter, the two kids with them. And then he holds the pixie stick up to a group of kids and asks, you know, who wants it? And an 11-year-old boy named Whitney Parker asks for it. Okay. So then the O'Briens go home, probably go to carve their jack-o'-lantern on Halloween night, even though they have to throw it out the next day. 1130. <laughs> um, and Timothy opens his big pixie sticks. It's all clumped up. And so his dad helps him like, like loosen it up. He ate some of it. And then started to complain that it was bitter. So his dad gives him some Kool-Aid to wash it down. Timothy immediately starts throwing up and convulsing. He goes limp, and they call 911, and he dies on the way to the hospital. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Yes. Well, also, I got a lot of this um, information from an actual article from the Houston Chronicle from 1984 by Joe McQuaid. Okay, so at the hospital, police sergeant Bill O'Neill comes to see them at the hospital. He sees Timothy dead with foam at the mouth and his dad, Ron, sitting by his side, sobbing. And Ron explains what happens with the pixie sticks. 
so they start going around, obviously, to all the houses, trying to get all the candy, trying to find the pixie sticks. Um, at the time, so the coroner goes ahead and is investigating, and he smells the boy's mouth, and it smells like almonds. Have you ever heard this about poisoning? I don't think so. No. So if you smell almonds, it's a sign of cyanide poisoning, which is interesting because only some people can smell the almond smell of cyanide. It's kind of like how people who, you know, anybody who doesn't like cilantro because it tastes like soap to them. I've never heard that. No. Oh, so some people, if they don't like, they just don't like cilantro. There's something, whether with this, with their taste buds or whatever, that actually makes it taste like soap. Weird. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. So it's very lucky when coroner can smell this because there's been other instances that i've read about so then they know that he's been poisoned so this so word spreads parents freak out okay so the police are focused on finding these five pixie sticks so at the o'brien house there's two the one that um timothy had opened and then his sister hadn't opened hers they go to whitney parker's house the 11 year old he'd been trying to open his pixie stick but his dad told him to go to bed Mark Bates was the one of the boys who went. He'd opened his, but then like spilled it. And yeah, and his mom was like, ah, all right, just let me clean this up, go to bed. The fifth kid was found asleep holding the pixie stick. He had been trying to get it open and he couldn't and fell asleep. Each of the pixie sticks had been opened and resealed with a staple. They, They realized that about a quarter of the pixie stick had been poured out and the rest had been filled with cyanide. Tim had consumed enough cyanide to kill two adults, and the other pixie sticks had enough cyanide to kill four adults. And also, the EMT could have died if he, if Tim had stopped breathing on the way to the hospital, if he would have given him mouth-to-mouth. Whoa. Like, there was enough cyanide right there to kill him. So, the police asked Ron, the dad, where he got the pixie sticks. What house was it? And he goes, like, back and forth. He can't really remember. The Bates dad knows, too. He remembers which house it was, allegedly. But also, it's like it's they. It was raining that night, and they only went to two streets, so it wasn't like it was that hard for him to remember. So he finally says, "Yeah, it was that house," and he points to a guy in the front yard and says it was probably him because he said like so. He says that he goes back up to the house. Everyone else has moved on. He knocks, and just a hairy arm comes out and hands him the five pixie sticks. <laughs> That's. That was his, what he said happened. Yes. So he says that it must have been this guy who lived there. But this guy is um, Courtney Melvin as the hairy-armed man. But Courtney had been at work the night of Halloween, and over 200 employees could verify this. I wonder why he fixated on the the hairy arm. Anyway. I don't know. His wife and daughter had been home that night, but they ran out of candy, so they turned all the lights off. And they didn't have hairy arms. Right. Right. I hope not. <laughs> so m- more digging reveals that the dad, Ron, had been having money problems. I knew it. So Ron was $100,000 in debt in 1974. So million $6 million. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> His car was about to be repossessed. He was close to being fired. So a- after this, the news comes out about this story, an insurance agent named Robert Ballou called the police and told them that Ron had taken out $10,000 insurance policies on both of his children. Oh, God. Then a month before Tim's death, he took out an additional $20,000, even though Robert had told him he couldn't afford this. And Ron said something like he wanted to take it out for convenience. I mean, he wasn't even trying to hide um, what was going on here. Because I guess so, he tried to take a policy out on his wife, but even a policy for like a middle-aged woman was too expensive. So there's less risk with a child. Right. 
So he that's why he did that. I mean, I can't imagine if I was a life insurance agent and that ever happens when you just raise your eyebrows. Well, apparently he did, but I guess not enough because he didn't call the police until after. Right. But I guess you can't, it's like minority report. You can't really do anything right, yeah. unless it actually happens, I guess. And also he called the insurance adjuster to file the claim at 9 a.m. on November 1st, the next day. Oh, wow. And so even if he had gotten, so I guess if he had killed, killed both his children, the most he could have collected was $60,000, which if you're $100,000 in debt, how much is that really going to help you? And then you murder both of your children? I mean, how? I don't get it. What's the point? Yeah. I don't know. And then they, then they never quite figured out where he got the cyanide from. He went to a store, which I guess you could do in 74, like a hardware store or something to buy potassium cyanide. And he tried to buy some, but you had to buy it in like five pound increments, I guess for, I don't know what you use potassium cyanide for besides murder, but <laughs> so, and so they don't know exactly where he got it from, but he did end up getting some. Uh, he also, there was a couple of sources who came forward and said, yeah, he asked how much cyanide does it take to kill a person? So it's essentially like the same as like Googling this yeah, back like in when, 1974. Like when Casey Anthony Googled murder and children. Yes. <laughs> which really happened. Yes. Oh my gosh. And she got away with it. Ron, the dad was arrested November 5th. So pretty soon after, luckily he didn't have too much time to be free. And he was actually given the death penalty. Really? And he was actually executed. Burn, run, burn. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. It's just like, and so this, so he had the, he became known as the man who ruined Halloween. So is this where all the rumors come from? A lot of them. Yes. I mean, that's not quite a hoax. I mean, I guess it's a hoax to the extent that he would suggest that came from trick-or-treating. It really just came from himself, but. Yeah. So they, he was given lethal injection, which is kind of nice. The cyanide? Yes. <laughs> they just dump piggy sticks down his throat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so he was, he was nicknamed as the Candyman or uh-huh. the man who killed Halloween. Oh, so this is very similar to Ted Bundy, too. So during his execution, there was a mob of people out, but half of them were like protesters protesting the death penalty. Mm. The other half were uh, excited about it, <laughs> and they started yelling trick or treat <laughs> at the... Other protesters are throwing candy on them. Of course they did. So they probably were the same people who went to Ted Bundy's right. later in the 80s. They I just, guess they're just like tailgaters. Yeah, that's just like they just like the Grateful Dead followers. <laughs> that's what they do, though. So he was a pretty awful, awful man. The, the yeah. mother knew nothing about it. I guess what it reminds me of a little bit is, you know, the guy from Fargo and William H. Mason. Yes. Who just needs money and just can't see anything else. And, um, you know, basically, gets his, well, he does get his wife killed. At what point do, do your children become dispensable? It's just awful. And I mean, they say money is the money problems is the greatest stressor. Uh, but that does is still I mean, it must just make you crazy. That's something I think of. I mean, you just see nothing else. But but so I have never gotten anything in my candy baskets that was ever. No, I've just gotten like boring things. But yeah, I'm the, we had dentists in one of our neighborhoods that would give us out toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> But we got a really good haul this year. We had some good stuff. That's good. I didn't have uh, very many people at all come to my house. I was very sad. Oh, I'm sorry. I took my kids' candy after they went to bed and poured it on my bed and roll around in it <laughs> like I was Demi Moore in a decent proposal. <laughs> it was fun. Well, I have plenty that you can take home with you if you want. I can't. All right. Well, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween for 2020. 
Maybe we should release this next year. <laughs> we can do that. And uh, Halloween, I watched it on my Roku had it free. Yeah. It's like the original is actually hard to find. I had a, well, not hard to find. It was on least. HBO. They had they had one, two, and yeah. three. And then they took it off and put the 2018 one on. So Well, I just bought it from, I guess, Amazon. But Okay. Good movie. It's so good. Go watch it. All right. Bye. Good night. Good night.